This is Unreal Flip Gordon, and you are watching the Three Count Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to our 300th episode of Now Entering, and I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. And after our 300th episode, I would just hope you would say, I am your Sherpa, because like your tribal chief, acknowledge me. But like every good Sherpa, it's never about me. It's about who's entering the ring. So who's entering the ring today? You can find this man at ROH, NEW, AEW, AAA, GCW, NWA, XWA, NCW, WSW, ACW, GLCW, CYN, and sometimes you find him on BTE. He is the master of the air. He is the master of the technician. He is the master of the flip. He is everything that you wish you could be. Because let's be real, us veterans of the military, hey, military branches, we do what we do. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Flip Gordon. Man, what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me for number 300. That's huge. Yeah, this this show has been like one of the most like ridiculous things that we uh we ventured out and to get to episode 300, I was like, that is a long ways out back in like May of 2020. So now to get to 300, I was like, bro, like, this is crazy. I don't even, think, like, just... I don't even think BTE's up to 300. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't want to venture and I say think that. they're about 330. <laughs> okay. Yeah, under. I mean. Oh, no, no. 230, I mean, because they just hit. Mm. It was like 223 when they when they canceled like a couple mm. months ago and then i think they have a couple episodes so they're probably like 225 episodes so you got bte beat yeah. <laughs> that that uh yeah man it's just one of those things where like you want to take on some kind of passion project like i've been in the business now for just like just under three years actually on january uh january 4th or something like that it'll be my third year being in the business and like I thought, man, what would be a cool way but to go find people who are more veteran than me in the in the in the business that have like pretty much like the same perspective as me and can help guide me as I like make my way through this crazy business called wrestling. And uh yeah, just having people come through and just having fun conversations with us, man. This is like this is amazing. <laughs> no, one hundred percent. It's obviously working if you got up to three hundred and still going strong. So congratulations. And I'm very excited to be on your show. That and so I just want to start this off. I know who you are. Let our people know who is Flip Gordon. Uh, I'm unreal. I'm one of the most unreal wrestlers in the world, and I proved that through my work. Um, I started wrestling about seven years ago. Uh, I was on the independent scene for two years, and then I got picked up with Ring of Honor, where I spent five wonderful years there. And I recently became a free agent back in April and I'm enjoying my time on the free agency line because I'm able to do what I want, when I want, how I want. Um, and it's just awesome to have that freedom back uh, with little to no pressure. And so I served six years in the army national guard. I started off as a horizontal construction engineer and then reclassed as a combat engineer uh, started in Idaho ended in Massachusetts. And now it's just wrestling. <laughs> I can relate. I uh, I did six years active duty Air Force, uh, five of those being in uh, Hawaii, and then I did one Lucky. tour in Iraq, 
and I was like, yeah, 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 no doubt. Not Especially tour, getting to hang out with. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, uh, I volunteered to deploy, never got picked up. Uh, I've never been to Hawaii. That's definitely on my to-go list, though. Yeah, I was. Uh, I kicked it with a bunch of the guys right at Fort Shafter and uh, in Schofield Barracks. So I like definitely kind of like knew my way around like the Army base a little bit. Obviously, I spent a lot of time at Hickam and Pearl Harbor, but yeah, just the joys of like being on the island and getting to hang out. I call it my home away from home. It is my second home. I treat it as such, and I just yeah, I I miss the islands pretty much every day that I'm not there. Oh, 100%. Uh, military was like my second home for me, like right out of college and then right into the military. Like that's all I knew until wrestling. <laughs> it's crazy, though, like the similarities that you have, though, between like mil- the military as well as like pro wrestling, as in like, you know, it, I don't I don't mean in a sense of like, you know, where you have to go, you know, how you have to dress, you know, what your job is going to be. Right. But it's more of like the, the adaptability that you learn. Like the hurry up and wait. Oh, and the, kind and of the discipline. Oh, the it. hurry up and wait is big. Um, <laughs> like the discipline to like be on the road, be alone. You know, what I mean, have the integrity, do the right thing. Like a lot of that. Um, the work ethic. Like I don't know if I would be as far as I am in wrestling if it wasn't for my time in the military. Because it definitely, <laughs> I was very immature before I went in, and it, it definitely matured me. It helped me grow up, and it helped me realize that there's so much more to the world than just a job or just this. Cause when you're in the military, you know what I mean? You're training for war. You're training to possibly not come home. And when they're putting that in your head, you know what I mean? You look at the world a little bit differently. Yeah. I don't, I don't think people understand like how, like how weird it is to be 21 years old and to be writing a will knowing that there's a possibility that you're not coming home like that's not a normal thing to be doing, no it's, to like, de- it's definitely not normal yeah <laughs> i know like i was sitting there and they're like well if something happens to you where should all your beneficiary go to i was like i don't know my sister like yeah was my like, next to kin at the like, time <laughs> yeah i had like a million dollar like life insurance and policy <laughs> because of the military but then the state would give you it was like Oh, well, they might not get that right away. So we're going to give you like another $100,000 that your family will get within seven days to help plan your funeral and stuff. And I'm just like, well, I hope they never need that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was, weird. It was, was like, uh... it's like, oh, well, it costs nothing. It's like an extra dollar out of your paycheck. But it's to make sure your family's taken care of in case you die. It's like, oh, what's a dollar, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny though, because like the one thing I, I think about like when I was um when I was in, I was like, man, like having to think about that kind of stuff, you're like, well, I'm just gonna be put in a box anyway and buried underground. And it wasn't until like, I don't know, maybe and, you know, I I'm turning thirty-eight next year, but it was like three years or two years ago, two, three years ago, uh, when uh the New Days podcast was out and they were doing all the new episodes and Big E said something that just like lit a light bulb on me and he was like when I die, uh, I don't want no funeral. I don't want nobody talking about me. I don't want no healthy words. Just throw me in a ditch and just leave me there. And I was like, that's so much more convenient. Like, just dog me out and I'm just go away. It's, it's cheaper. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, like, they don't got to spend money on a funeral. No, nah, just keep that money. Just throw me in a, just leave me somewhere and just go away. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> that's littering. Come on, Biggie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is, it is, but also you got to think, 
it could be environmentally friendly, right? You're like feeding the ground as they just like soak you into the earth. Like, you know, people can find like, I don't know, fun ways to like. I mean, animals you before you deteriorate. Right. <laughs> you know, but uh, one question I've always. You're like, where's this boot come from? Oh my God, yeah. is that a pair of jeans? Like what? Oh, a ripped shirt. What? I feel like oh. this was a person. Oh my God, a bone. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there's a tooth. Oh, yeah. This definitely was a guy. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's funny because like a bunch of my friends looked at as like a murder case. Be like, oh my god, we found a random body. We need to identify it. Be like, oh no, it says right here in his uh his will. He just wanted to be left in the ditch. He just wanted to be dropped off. Case closed. Case closed. <laughs> no cold case here. We're good. <laughs> it takes weeks to find it though. No. <laughs> Yo. Only question I've always had, right? Like, and I've always thought about this. And the one day that I ever was going to meet you, I wanted to ask you this question, right? But how did you get into the business? So I'd always wanted to be a pro wrestler ever since I was a little kid. And so I was in college at the time. And I was like, yo, do I keep talking about this or do I finally chase it? So I literally packed up everything I owned. I found a pro wrestling school in uh, just north of Boston, Massachusetts. And I literally drove for four days across the country. First place I went was the pro wrestling school. Asked how much it was to sign up. And I didn't think I was going to start right away because I didn't have much money saved up. But I was like, all right, well, I have this like $500 that's supposed to be for my truck payment. And I was like, I could put it towards pro wrestling school and start. That gives me, I think that covered a quarter. So it covered for three months. And I was like, within those three months, hopefully I can come up with another $500 to pay for the next three months. And so started right away. And within six months, I had my first pro wrestling match. And after that, I was wrestling almost every single weekend. So it kind of happened fast. I didn't plan on it happening so quick because I had no idea what the independents were. I didn't know what Ring of Honor was. I kind of knew what Impact Pro Wrestling was. But like in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to this pro wrestling school. I'm going to pay for some training. And then I'm going to pay for a tryout at WWE. That's how I thought it worked. And then I discovered this wonderful <laughs> thing called independent professional wrestling. And I fell in love. I, I absolutely love traveling the world. I love doing little shows because you get so much more personal interaction with the fans and for the fans with the superstars. Um, for me, being on the independence, I love being able, I can be a good guy here. I can be a bad guy there. I can be funny over here. I can be serious over there. And I really get to experiment and figure out what works, what doesn't. Because me going to TV right away, it was sink or swim. Even our house shows at Ring of Honor were televised. Or not televised, but they were online. So it was like, yo, you botch, you mess up, everybody's going to see it. So it was a lot of pressure. So now I love being able to experiment. And it's like, oh, well, let me try this crazy, crazy move. And if I slip on the, the third springboard, who cares? You know what I mean? I'll live and I'll learn. But so I'm trying some crazy stuff now that I wouldn't try on TV or pay-per-view. But as soon as I master it, I'm going to definitely bring it to TV or a pay-per-view. It's one of those things, like, I watch you, like, I, I, it's almost like you come up with, like, this, like, this concept. And then you're like, I'm just going to shoot for it. And then, like, every show I see you do something different and, like, it's getting, like, that much more tweaked. And you can see, like, the thought process of, like, all right, if I tuck a little harder here and... <laughs> layout i can get to spin in just in time to like land on people and i'm like to to have that much body control and thought process like at the same time i was like man that's just 
that's a comprehension that I currently is beyond me, but hopefully at some point I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to shoot for it too. <laughs> no, definitely. Like there's this move I've been working on for a while now and it's the 720 DDT and I've hit it like three, four times clean. But the last two times over one, the first time I overshot him and the second time I slipped and had to go down to the middle of the rope. And luckily I recovered. But now I'm thinking, I'm like, man, if I screwed it up the last two times, I got to think of a different way to get into it. And so now I'm even thinking something that's even crazier. But for me, it's more controlled, which I think will make it even easier. But to like an outsider's perspective, it's going to look way harder. Because mm. I'm basically going to incorporate a double springboard into a, like a twisty D, like tornado DDT. It's going to be insane. Can't wait to try it. <laughs> I haven't tried it yet. I just is, thought about it in my head today, actually. And I was like, you know what? I wonder if I could do this. And I'm going to go try it. I'm not going to practice it. I'm just going to go out and try it. It is It is funny how, like, uh, in, like with the, like the military, you, like, see something, and you're like, I'm going to hit this. I'm going to hit this objective. And in a wrestling, it's pretty much, like, the same way. But you're like, I'm just going to try it out and just fire. Well, like, in the military, you know, you're, like, training. You're constantly, like, working on, like, the repetitions like over and over again and sometimes in wrestling yeah. you could just just fire something right out and i know like well i know what but, like my character i can do like what i need to do in that move as long as i can get the guy in the right position i'm not worried about it it's just being mm -hmm. able to get the guy in the right position to, to do the double springboard twisty ddt i don't even know what i'm gonna call it probably the unreal ddt because <laughs> it's gonna be unreal you know <laughs> I like that. It's funny because, like, for my character, like, uh, I, I, just this wild ass joke, joking mercenary. But I used to do this like gunshot thing where I would like have the other guy like sell, like as I'm like shooting them. Like, obviously, there's no real gun, but um, yeah, it always yeah. ended with like a distance close. Get away with that these days. Yeah, well, you know what? It's funny because like a bunch of the crowds that saw it were like really hyped about it. They all loved it. But then like I changed it to more of a strike based uh, incentive. So like, it just, it looks a lot cooler and a lot cleaner. Um, and thankfully there was one promoter out there that was like, I like where you're going, but I need this to not be in there unless you can find a different way to like incorporate it. And I was yeah, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I started experimenting and I figured it out and I was like, all right, this, and it gets over with the crowd a lot too. So but it was like one of those things I where I wanted to do, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So initially I wanted to incorporate some type of like gun shooting or something. But at the time, like Kenny Omega was doing it before he did the knee strike and the bullet club was doing it left and right. And I was like, man, if I start doing it, there's like, Oh, you want to be bullet club. And this was even before I had that story with the bullet club on BTE. And so I was like, no, I don't want people to think I'm trying to be anybody. I'm not trying to be nobody but myself. I'm trying to be original. Right. It's, it is crazy because like we, we the gun live hand this, signals like, are pretty cool <laughs> i know everybody and the funny thing is it's such an easy thing to like just do just I like know. yeah just throw it up I, and so like one thing i used to do too like i had somebody else another person a, a great mentor of mine she told me she's like you do the, you do that gun, the gun thing too much change it up so i changed it to a rifle so like i'll legit <laughs> like i'll be in the middle of a match and i'll just point and i'll be like and uh i just want to thank uh nick for this nick jackson but uh i'll look at them and i'll be like you're dead and i just run in and just hit him with like a diving euro <laughs> but that's great uh yeah i think about that where i'm like and it's, it's the idea of like 
you see something, you think about it, and then you just you just go try it. And that's why I was trying to go with like the story of like this is how I came up with some of my crazy things too. It was just like on the spot thinking, and I was like, I'm gonna hit this and we'll work on it. I think I mean. I think it works in the right scenario. I watched a match. I believe it was Team Tremendous versus Dick Justice and Colt Cabana on an independent once. And it was the funniest match I've ever seen. But obviously, Dick Justice plays a cop gimmick. So he pulled out his gun and made him freeze. And then uh, Team Tremendous, they're like detectives. So they had like this gun standoff in the middle of the ring. And it was absolutely hilarious. And it made so much sense. And it just it works for the right gimmicks, but I feel like it definitely is overdone because I feel like at one point everybody was doing the whole gun thing, and like right before <laughs> they hit their finisher, gun. You know what I mean? It's like okay, that's not the finish, or it is the finish because it's done so much. Right. Yeah, I always I thought about that too a lot, where like everybody was like using these kind of things, and so I was like, let me find different ways to like incorporate like the idea that my character is a mercenary, but then like just change it to the comedy side a lot of dark humor and like a lot of like i don't know people get references without me having to be like bang 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 i'm like no no, no. yeah we're changing everything up so it is a constant like trying to change and evolve things up uh i do i do want to ask this i ask this question to everybody who comes on the show this is one of my favorite ones to ask what's the worst bump you've taken Ooh, the worst bump i've taken so it was a 450 to the outside through a table. And I blew out my elbow. Oh. And that was in 2019. It was the night I joined Villain Enterprises. And I remember as soon as I hit the ground, I remember looking at my arm because it went numb. And it looked like I broke it. And I remember looking up at Brody King because he was coming to like pick me up. And I was like, I was like, no, no, no. I was like, don't pick me up. And he's like, why? I was like, I, I think I broke my arm. And he looks down at my arm and he's like, oh. And I remember just grabbing it, running to the back. And uh, Joey Mercury was backstage and he's like, he's like, what's wrong? I was like, I think I broke my arm. He looks at it and he's like, no, nah, that looks like a dislocated elbow. I was like, really? I was like, well, that's good. And uh, we go to try to find some EMTs. And uh, we found the EMTs and I was like, hey, we need your help. And they're like, we can't do nothing. And so I looked at Joey Mercury and I was like, man, I really need you to pop this back in. And he's like, okay. Mm. And so uh, Brody King grabbed my other hand. Bandito came and like gave me a hug from behind. And Joey Mercury twisted it right back in place. And it, as soon as it popped back in place, they all gave me this big hug. I grabbed my elbow pad off the ground. I walked to the locker room, got changed, went to the hotel and passed out. And uh, that would definitely have to be the worst bump I've ever taken and the worst injury I've ever had because to this, to this very day, like right now, sitting, my elbow's going numb. Just if like if I go like even if I go to a bar to have like an appetizer or a drink and I put my elbow down on the counter for too long, my whole arm goes numb. Every single day I'm reminded of that bump. Damn, that's crazy. It's weird too because like I saw um I remember it happening on AEW, right? Ray Phoenix, like he did like a spinning move like off the top and outside and he hit. And I remember seeing his elbow, just his arm kind of flail back and forth. And I was like, I immediately went to my chat group. I was like, yo, Ray Phoenix just dislocated his elbow. And everybody was like, oh, no, was... he didn't. And then the, er, then it came out like, yo, he dislocated his elbow. It's like, I saw the whole thing, man. I was like, it was, it was gnarly. 
Oh, it's bad. And him and uh, Vikingo just dislocated his a while ago. And I'm just like, oh, I feel for it because I've been there. You know what I mean? It took me two over two years to get over the fear to do a 450 again. And I finally just mm. did it about two months ago for the first time since. And I messed it up again, my elbow. And so I'll never do the 450 again. I'll never, ever, ever do the 450 again. To me, it's not worth it. It it's it was wild because I think just not recently, uh, a little bit ago, Mustafa did the same thing. He was like, hey, like, I'm not going to do the 450 because I want to be able to, like, actually hug my kids when I see them. And I was like, yo, that's, that's crazy to think about that you could do that much damage just off of a, a splash. Yeah. Some of the, well, you got to think that forward momentum and the torque that you're spinning around with. And all that's really stopping you when you hit the mat is what you're landing on, which most guys, it's your forearms, which leads with your elbow. It's, you yeah. know what I mean? I've, yeah, I just, and I thought oh, it was funny. It will eventually be good again, but no, I don't think I'll ever be able to do that move <laughs> ever again. Moonsaults, I can do no problem because the rotation's opposite and I'm landing, you know what I mean? Legs first, hips first. But I think mm-hmm. I just think that forward torque, the as much as you gotta throw yourself, like I'll do a six thirty before I'll do a four fifty again. And I can do a six thirty. I just ain't <laughs> never busted out yet. I'm just waiting for the match to do it in. That's yeah, people who can do that, that's an insane thing to watch happen. But when you think about it, like that makes sense because like you're obviously doing two rotations and you're landing on your back, that's like a bigger surface than landing on like the points of your elbows. I know like in training, we talk about all the time, like when you take face balls, like you um, like spread that for momentum out and you want to get those elbows out because landing on your elbow, we tell people all the time, like when you land on your elbows, like you're, you're pretty much just like borrowing time because eventually you're going to land wrong and you're going to be like, mm, can't move my arm. And that's, that's, like, that's crazy to think that's about. That's actually how I blew out my elbow was landing like that because of the torque from when my hand hit put all that tension mm-hmm. on the elbow and it just blew it right out. Had I landed just straight on uh, my elbow, I would have been fine. But because I landed awkward and my mm-hmm. hand and forearm hit the ground first, it popped my elbow to pieces. Uh, damn. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just well, thinking about just it. Just like, nah, things, nah, you know, I'm good. You know how many four... <laughs> I've literally, you know how many 450s I've done to the outside through tables? You know what I mean? I had done it like four or five times, no problem, hitting it perfect every single time. And all it took is this one time, we were a little bit rushed on time. We were trying to get to, you know what I mean? And they were trying to move the table. And I was like, no, it's fine. I can can get it. And I overshot by like four inches. And my elbow didn't hit the guy, so I had to brace myself from my face hitting the cement. And I put my, I reached my hands mm-hmm. down first and it just, all that torque popped my elbow out. Yeah, damn, that's insane. Ugh. <laughs> so there's no like easy way to transition for this one to this next question. But uh, every person like builds their character based on like either like a character they saw from like either wrestling or like TV and kind of make it their own as well as like putting their self in there. So I'm just kind of curious, like, what characters did you pull from to help create like the the unreal Flip Gordon? 
So the Unreal was kind of like a spin-off of my mercenary character that I was doing back in Ring of Honor. And uh, towards the tail end of Ring of Honor, I was doing kind of like this conspiracy gimmick because I was a heel. And like, I never really watched movies growing up. I never watched TV shows growing up. I never read books growing up. Only thing I was really into growing up was professional wrestling. And so that was really my only source of entertainment. Well, as I've gotten older, I kind of started getting into conspiracy theories as a way to like let my mind explore. Like, what if this is happening? What if that's happening? And I started going down some of these rabbit holes and I was like, ooh, I can kind of fill this into my gimmick. And, you know, I'm a heel, so I'll just amp up this a little bit more. Like, I remember I was down in Mexico with Juventud Guerrera, and he pitched the whole flat earth thing to me. And I was like, yo, that is ridiculous, but I like it. And so I came back that following week, and I was telling them, we even put it on BTE. I told the Bucks, I was like, yo, let's do this whole flat earth thing. And they laughed. They, they enjoyed it. And so we tied that into that. And then I did, like, the whole milk first. And then it just started going. I was like, oh, man conspiracies is a way to like kind of get on people's nerves and so i just started coming up with the wackiest conspiracies like wildfires having borders and not you know i mean not entering into canada or mexico um i was just like like when obviously when covid hit i really was like on the whole no mass thing because people would freak out about it and i was like oh a mask isn't gonna work you know what i mean and meanwhile i was the first person to wear a mask when covid first hit I did a bit in the airport with a gas mask. You know what I mean? <laughs> but people just had this narrative about me and I just kept going with it because to me, that's where I got my entertainment from was taking something that I enjoy outside of wrestling and bringing it into wrestling. And to me, that was <clears> conspiracy <throat> theories. And Chris Jericho, he's one of my favorites and he talks about conspiracies all the time on his podcast. And I love watching him because I love hearing these wacky theories or these wacky ideas of time travel um ancient civilization um corrupt governments um you know what i mean you name it there's so many different things like uh, atlantis how cool would it be if atlantis was real you know what i mean or if it wasn't real what if it is a completely made up the idea that somebody still came up with that is like you know what i mean i don't have the imagination like that so to me like it gets thrilling I have to I have to agree. It's funny because I like to listen to Jesse the Body Ventura a lot. And Jesse was one of the like, first ones. Yeah, he was one of the first guys. Like the Denver, the Denver International Airport is a hub for a secret society. And I was like, what? <laughs> There's all these wild. clues. <laughs> yeah. He's like, look at the oh, paintings so, when you get the into cool DIA. <laughs> this is the cool thing though, because I but this is equivalent. To like somebody being like a Pokemon fan and going to an airport and trying to collect the Pokemon. So me hearing stuff like that, every time I went to the Denver airport, now I'm on like a wild goose egg hunt. You know what I mean? I'm like looking for the stuff that they talking about. I'm like, yo, where is this? It's kind of like people watching Friends and going when they're, where was Friends? New York? It's like going to New York and trying to find the Friends apartment. Or um, what was the other one in San Francisco? Um, oh which are like full house modern yeah full house that's what i'm thinking of yeah and going and trying to find that house and taking a picture of it like to me that's <laughs> that's what i was getting a kick out of because i'm traveling the world getting to see mm. this place that people are talking about like i never got to see the georgia guidestones unfortunately they're taken down now but to me that would have been so yeah. cool to go see 
Yeah, it's it's weird, man. Like when you start, like I know, like because I'm from I'm from Colorado, like well, I'm from Nebraska, but I was I go to through DIA like almost all the time, and it is kind of wild and trippy. Like when you're looking at certain things, and you're like, why can't I go this direction? And then you're just yeah, then you yeah. listen to people like you listen to people like you know like Jesse, and you're just like, that's why this man knows what he's talking about. And you're like, but he's a big guy's, I don't know. It's funny. And I do, I, I genuinely understand. Cause then all of a sudden I start playing the, um, the Da Vinci code type style where I'm like, mm-hmm. five letters, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's Apple. See, I, see I've never <laughs> seen that movie and I feel like I would enjoy it. But like I said, I'm not really in the movies, but there are some movies like the Da Vinci code. Um, there's some other ones that are, that like go dabble into like the conspiracy type secret society stuff. And I think it's entertaining. <laughs> if you ever get a chance, you can also check out like National Treasure, you know, Nicolas Cage. Like that's, that's another, the other that's one. Another yeah, one. National Treasure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew there was another one. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not up on pop culture movies or none of that stuff. But that's all right. I need to, I need uh, to catch up on all the uh, superhero ones. Uh, what is it? Um, Marvel. Yes. Because those are pretty good. I, I like action. I, it's just. I'm so far behind now. I'm like 10, 15 years behind. You know how much hours of like <laughs> movies I'd have to watch to catch up? Yeah, actually, I think uh, so right before Endgame had came out, right? So the movie theater in Baltimore, which is only, well, the one, it was like Towson, which is like, I don't know, like 20 minutes from where I live, right? Uh, they had a running, you had like three days where you could just sit in the theater for three days and watch all the Marvel movies, right? Just one really? after another. They're playing them all. Yeah. And then when you got to the when you got to Endgame, right? So Infinity War ended and then Endgame would pick up at midnight. They had it timed out perfectly so that at midnight you could watch Endgame and then you would go on from there. So it was definitely crazy, but it was like, you know, it's was, it was a couple hundred dollars. I'm not going to lie, but it was the experience that you got to like sit down and watch like everything from Iron Man all the way through. I was like, that's. That's insane, but it's also I like I was very intrigued by that. The only movie series <laughs> I've ever seen, like all the way through, is the Fast and the Furious series. <laughs> and it, it's been hard because, but obviously, the first four or five were out when I was in school. And so I've seen a couple of them in theaters, but I think I've seen all of them. I might not have seen the last one, but I've definitely seen all of them but the last one. I think there's like, what, nine now? Yeah, because the 10th one is coming out this upcoming year 2023 i think so fast, maybe yeah fast 10 i think they call it fast 10 fast fast, Which fast. Is somebody in the comments back when say i was it. a kid back when i was a kid watching like the first or second one i never would have imagined that the rock would be in the series and then john <laughs> cena would be in the series like what right oh i thought it was crazy when i was like watching it and watching like i forget which was but helen mirror Pop up and I will yeah, wait. Like, you have the scene where John Cena and like one of the most notorious, like one of like the greatest actresses of all time, they're in a scene together, and you're like, "Huh, I would never." It's wild. Put this together. Well, the this Rock's, is cool. The Rock's been a superhero or a supervillain. Right. And Cena played a superhero. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I bet you when they were kids, they never even in their wildest dreams thought they'd be playing comic book characters that they grew up reading. You know what I mean? Like that's just. The sky's the limit. Yeah. Wrestling opens well, doors for so many other paths. I was like, look at Batista. Like, Batista was, like, he was Drax, right? So yeah, he, he plays in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. yeah. And then you see him in Spectre as, like, this 
covert like this uh this big bully you know this big baddie and he's just like dominating then you see him like and everything like i was like man it's like it's everybody wild to me when i see a commercial of like batista movie or the rock movie or these days seen as the voice of so many commercials he's like the voice of honda <laughs> So I'm yeah. like, I'll, like I won't even be in the room. So I'll hear something. I'm like, oh my god, the voice of my childhood's narrating a Honda commercial. Like, yeah, he's everywhere. Oh yeah, I see him in the uh, what's the one with a cow? Uh, Equinox is that right? I think so. Oh, it could like, be. He's always like, like, the, like the credit line or whatever. Yeah, it's a part of that. It or was Equifax? like, dang, Equifax. That's it. But like, I like yo. Seen as a part of like everything, like that everything. man, like he, I don't like whoever his like booking agent is is getting him everything. Yeah, I was like John Cena is. Yeah, he really does. I, and I tell people all the time, I was like, John Cena is our generation. Will Shatner, as in like he will never pass on any acting gig ever. No, <laughs> he will do everything if he can. And I would the almost, can, still I would almost compare him more to like Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Because he did commercials, Damn. movies, voiceovers, cartoons. Like he did everything. Everything. And he doesn't age. Cena's young. You know what I mean? Cena <laughs> could do this for yeah. another 50 years as a voice actor. And, like it's unreal. Oh, yeah. Was it? He was just in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, series like just recently. Like on Nickelodeon, I think. If I remember somebody in the comments could be like, "Oh yeah, he was a part of this one." I'm like, "Oh, cool, thanks." But yeah, I know he was in a in the Turtles for a long time. Um, That's crazy. So a question I had, I like to ask as well, right? Um, what's like one of the hardest lessons you've had to learn being in this business? That's a tough one. Um. One of the hardest lessons I've ever learned in this business. Can't work a worker. I like that. <laughs> I like that, that a lot. That was probably one of the hardest lessons I had to learn. I like that. Know, it's, it's one. They know. Yep. <laughs> So, so true. Um, hey, so you've been in a lot of different locker rooms. Like you said, you've been doing this for about seven years, but you've been everywhere in between the sun. Uh, I need one do and one don't of the locker room. Okay. Um, one do, shake everybody's hands, be respectful, be polite. And one don't is uh, don't leave trash when you leave the locker room. Pick up after yourselves. We're adults. You know, I mean, this isn't your mom's house. If you if you wrap your wrist with tape and you take it off, throw it in the trash. If you if you have empty water bottles, throw it in the trash because you'd be surprised how many locker rooms I leave and it's just a pigsty. And you have the top guys staying after to pick it up so we're able to go back somewhere. That way, you know what I mean? Because if you leave the locker room of trash, you'd be surprised how quick the venue's like, no, nah, we don't want you guys back. You guys trash our bathrooms. You trash the locker room. Like, it takes two seconds, and we're all adults. You know what I mean? Be respectful. For some people, I understand this is a hobby, but for a lot of us, this is our career. This is our job. So true. So true. It's something that, like, it, it's something I've, I've learned. And, like, I, it's crazy because this show has helped out with so much, right? Like, 
one of the lessons, like I, I was working with another person. Um, actually, I was working with Moses, right? And we were talking in the back. And I was like, I kept all my stuff like in like a small space. And there was like another person who just like had their stuff like all strung out. And he was like, you're doing it right. <laughs> and I was like, I appreciate that. <laughs> I was like, learning this lesson was important. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it's so true. I mean, but I, a lot of people didn't grow up in locker rooms and I understand that. But I grew up in a locker room my whole life, uh, wrestling as a little kid, football, baseball, you know what I mean? Um, so I learned the hard way how to, you know what I mean, have locker room etiquette. But it's our job to teach the younger guys that never, you know what I mean, didn't grow up in locker rooms and stuff. It's kind of like, hey, don't leave your bag open. Close it so it's not taking up so much room so people aren't tripping on it. You know what I mean? Because obviously when we're in the back, we're trying to go over stuff, trying to get ready, trying to prepare trying to, you know what I mean, stretch out. And if everybody's got their bags open, it leaves so much little room to stretch out and get ready. And then guess what? You don't have to worry about stepping on and breaking people's bags if they're closed. It's, it's yeah. It's surprising, how like, how works. much... It's, it's surprising to see how much common sense is not actually common sense. It's, it's wild. <laughs> hey... So we're gonna take this to the best segment of the three count podcast. Okay. Uh, it used to be it used to be the Red Dogs power rankings, but I refuse to acknowledge that they're retired, uh, and we haven't done it in a while. Sorry, guys. It used to be on every Sunday on our debate shows, but you know. Uh, but this is the three count podcast, ten count questions, and this is how it works. I'm gonna fire off ten questions at you rapid fast. Whatever your answer is, that's your answer. Is it now? Is it a one word answer, three word answer, a sentence? Uh, it's a little bit of both, a little bit of everything. I need to know the rules, damn it. <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty right. free reign. Just whatever, <laughs> so, all right, all right. Just whatever pops in. But, uh, all right, so we'll put on the imaginary timer for added pressure. Bing! And in the uh, words of Mike Goldberg, here we go. Uh, SmackDown or Raw? SmackDown. Favorite wrestling hold? STF, submit to flip. <laughs> yes, I like that. Uh, Night Owl or Early Bird? Both. I love getting up super industry. early because it gets because it gets the it makes your day longer, but I also love staying up late. You know what I mean? Uh, love seeing the stars. I'm very big into astrology, so obviously anytime I can be up when the stars are up, it's a good day, you know? I like that. So then I'm going to ask the next question. Favorite uh, favorite sign? Uh, I'm a Sagittarius, so obviously I'm going to have to go with Sagittarius. But I would say my favorite planet is uh, Jupiter, which is also the ruling planet for Sagittarius's. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, so let's talk about favorite favorite faith character from the Attitude Era. Ooh, so I didn't really watch much of the Attitude Era, but favorite face Attitude Era, I'm going to say Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's got to be. I feel like that's, that's he's, he's, there's always one or face, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's jump in. Uh, it's a Friday night. What you doing? Um, Friday night, I'm probably going to be wrestling. Bad. That, that, uh, next question that we're going to ask, right? Uh, or watching podcast. SmackDown. 
Favorite podcast? Uh, I'm not much of a podcast guy, so I'm going to say the Three Count Podcast. Right? I was like, you know, it, it's not like it's not marketed everywhere. We have it here. We just influence everybody's decision. <laughs> uh, Pepsi or Coke? Uh, I'm not much of a soda guy, um, but I think – which one has A&W root beer? I think it's Coke. Uh, Coke. Or is it, Pepsi? it is Coke. Uh, so Coke. I guess Coke. All right. Uh, nominate one person that you want to see on this podcast. Ooh. It's tr- I'm trying to think really clever here. Um, EC3. Because it's the yes. EC3 count podcast. Of course, that is yes. That's a hundred percent. No brainer. With no brainer. <laughs> no brainer. <laughs> and then, last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person who comes on this show: favorite curse word. Favorite curse word? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I've been hanging out with a lot of British people later or lately, so I've said cunt. Hey. <laughs> Yes, 100%. I definitely agree with that. My fiance uh, just gave me the worst look ever, by the way. <laughs> I just got in big, big trouble. Uh, our bad. We'll take that. We'll take the heat for this one. <laughs> hey, so. He asked uh, me. Are, I did. I did. I did. It's on me. Uh, I guess I probably hey, should have so, spelled it instead of saying it, but. <laughs> it is what it is. It's too late. We can't take it back. It's in the I felt past. Like I was in England, lad. <laughs> so those are all my questions that i have for you so the last thing i need is for you just to let our listeners and our viewers know where they can find you absolutely um you can find me at the flip gordon on instagram uh i do have a facebook page i think it's at the flip gordon as well they're both links whatever i post on my instagram goes to my facebook um or if you want to book me for any interview inquiries or booking inquiries you can email me at the flip at gmail.com or if you want to check out anything else, you can go to my website at flipgordon.com. Bet. He gave you all of his handles. He told you where you can find him. He even gave you his email address. So if anybody out there is like, hey, yo, I want to get an interview with Flip Gordon, you know how to do that too. But like every great part of a wrestling match, we got to take this home. Because this is the Three Count Podcast presents Now Wintering, and I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up that mountain called wrestling. But like every great Sherpa, it's never about me. It's about who's entering the ring. So who's entering the ring? You see him right there, all right? It is the unreal, the unreal, legend baby. himself, Flip Gordon. And you guys know what to do. Tune into the next episode and be there, or you're really just waiting for uh, this episode to end, but you're following us on all of our social media platforms. You're subscribed to our YouTube channel. You're even following us on Spotify, leaving us five-star frog splash reviews on Apple Podcasts. And you're answering a question on Spotify, too. Just say you like this episode. That's, that's all you got to do. Share it with your friends. Buy our merch, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count podcast. And then, you know, leave a comment. Tell me how much you, you know, dislike my face. I don't really care. Anyway, oh, you you're doing all that stuff. You just reminded me. You just reminded me. <laughs> I actually today just got my Pro Wrestling Tees back. So you can go buy my merch, too, on prowrestlingtees.com slash the flip Gordon. Hey, there we go. And then, uh, yeah, so you're checking out all that stuff or you're really just kind of waiting for this episode to end. You're waiting for the outro and you're choosing another episode to listen to. Let's flip and go. 
What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want you to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod. Give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give subscribe, turn the bell on, turn on notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast and in there you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. At ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So show us some support, please.